Chapter Four of the Frithiof Saga. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Frithiof Saga by Ferdinand Schmidt, translated by George Upton. Chapter Four, Frithiof's Inheritance. The two aged heroes died as they had hoped within a short time of each other and were buried as king bailey had bidden the two princes being declared joint heirs to the throne by decree of the people while frithiof took possession of his heritage framnas his lands were on the coast and extended for three miles in each direction forests of birch crowned the mountain tops whose slopes were covered with golden barley and waving wheat growing to the height of a man lakes teeming with fish mirrored the wooden heights through the forest threaded with rushing streams roamed noble stags proud and stately as kings on the rich meadows herds of cattle with sweet glossy hides cropped the green sward while here and there rode flocks of sheep like fleecy cloudlets slowly drifting across the blue vault of heaven ranged in two rows twelve pairs of fiery coursers pawed impatiently in their stalls shod with shiny steel were their hoofs their manes not hit with red the great drinking hall was so spacious that six hundred guests would scarcely fill it round the wall extended a table of polished oak and on either side of the high seat images of the gods were skilfully carved from elm wood one representing the father odin the other frey who rules over the rain and sunshine over the high seat where thorsten had sat for so many years a glossy black bearskin with scarlet jaws and the claws tipped with silver was thrown midway of the hall was the great hearth of smoothly polished stone whence the dancing flame shot ceaselessly upward and suspended around the walls helm and shield and sword glittered in the reflection of the blaze rich indeed was the dwelling abundance everywhere met the eye crowded presses well-filled cellars and storerooms while many a jewel spoil of many a conquest lay hidden in close locked chests but the three most precious possessions of the house were famed throughout the land of these the first was a sword called engel valdel or brother of lightning forged by dwarfs in some far eastern land frithiof's ancestors had wrought with it many heroic deeds the hilt was of hammered gold and the blade was covered with strange runes the meaning of which was unknown save to those who forged it in the distant orion when frithiof drew it from the sheath it flashed like the lightning or the streaming northern lights moreover a magic power belonged to this wondrous heirloom so long as peace ruled the land the runes on the blade gleamed dull and pale but when war prevailed they burned red as the comb of a fighting cock next to this sword in renown was an armoring of pure gold the work of halting von lund the vulcan of the north graved on it were the names of the holy gods in their castles were the signs of the changing seasons while crowning the circlet as the sun crowns the heavens was a splendid ruby this ring had long been an heirloom of the house and had once been stolen by the robber sot who roved the seas pillaging and destroying 
news came at last to thorsten that soat had caused himself to be buried with all his treasure in a walled-up mound on the shores of britain yet there his spirit found no rest but haunted the place as a spectre forthwith thorsten resolved to seek this ghostly visitant and with bailey who offered to accompany him took ship and sailed away to the shore of britain where they soon found soat's place of burial like a sunken palace was the grave mound over which lay piled up vast heaps of earth and ruined stonework thorsten and bailey peered through a chink of the doorway into the vaulted depths there stood the black viking ship and high up on the mast squatted a grisly shape wrapped in a blue flaming mantle its staring eyeballs rolling while it vainly endeavoured to scour the bloodstains from a rusty sword all about lay heaps of gold and on the arm of the phantom gleamed thornston's precious heirloom the stolen arm ring bailey whispered to thorsten let us go down together and fight with this fiery spectre but half angrily thorsten answered nay one against one was the custom of our fathers alone will i strive with it long they contended as to which should first encounter that ghastly foe but the lot fell to thorsten one blow of his spear burst in the door and he descended into the vault while shield before him and sword in hand king bailey listened without wild chantings he heard at first like some magic spell then loud clashing sounds as of swords crossed in conflict then came a horrible scream and followed by instant silence and out staggered thorsten pale and distraught but on his arm he bore the ring never in after days would he relate what had passed in those awful depths and when questioned would turn away shuddering but he was often wont to say truly twas dearly bought this arm ring but once in my life have i trembled and that was when i took it last of the three family treasures was the good ship alita frithiof's ancestor Viking, so it was said returning once from a foray discovered on his own shores a shipwrecked man tally looked and nobly formed with an open countenance whose expression was constantly changing like the glancing of waves in the sunlight sea-green floated his hair white as wave foam his beard a blue mantle enveloped his form and the gold belt he wore was set with corals steering directly to the spot Viking rescued the unfortunate took him to his home and feasted him right nobly but when at night the stranger was offered a bed he shook his head smiling fair is the wind and my ship a good one he said and many a mile i hope to leave behind me ere the break of day naught but thanks have i to offer thee in return for thy hospitality but my wealth lies deep beneath the ocean wave yet in the morning it may be thou wilt find some gift from me upon the shore at daybreak Viking hastened to the shore and lo with the swiftness of the sea eagle darting upon its prey there came flying into the haven one of the warships commonly known as dragons not a soul was to be seen on board neither steersmen nor rowers yet unerringly the rudder guided its winding course amid rocks and shoals as it neared the land the sails furled themselves the anchor fell and the slender vessel rested quietly upon the sandy beach 
as Viking stood gazing in astonishment at all this, voices sounded from the dancing waves. They chanted, The man thou didst rescue and shelter was Aegir, the lord of the sea. He forgets not his debt. See, yon dragon he sendeth as token to thee. Royal indeed was the gift of the sea god. The solid beams of the ship were not joined in the usual way, but grown together, long and dragon-shaped, it lay upon the water the head reared high wide jaws gleaming red with gold the body speckled with blue and gold and ending at the rudder in a coiling tail covered with silver scales black were the sails with edgings of gold and when each was fully stretched the ship flew like the storm wind swifter than the sea eagle with all these treasures and more besides Frithiof, next to the two kings, was the richest man in all the land. Kingly of nature was he, if not by birth, and gentle and noble in word and deed. Twelve mighty champions he had ever beside him, tried comrades of his dead father. Among these gray beards, like a rose set in a wreath of withered leaves, was a youth called Bjorn, joyous as a child, yet with the strength of manhood and the wisdom of age. Frithiof had grown up with him and together they had sworn blood brotherhood sorrowfully amid these heroes sat frithiof in the high seat draining the mead horn at his father's grave feast after the custom of his ancestors while with a heavy heart he listened to the thundering hero song sounded in praise of the departed end of chapter four frithiof's inheritance